Tōia te wakatapa tuki te moana māwai e tō, māwai e tō, mā te whakarongo e tō, mā te tisiro e tō, mā te hui ano hoki e tō. Haumi e hui e taikie. This week on The Hui. Wrongfully charged for causing the death of her aunt, could a wineshink and her whanau continue their search for justice? He was wrong. He was wrong from the start. Finally, some answers from the man in charge. Is that justice? And we catch up with the new CEO of the New Zealand Film Commission, Taima Annie Murray, to discuss the current challenges and opportunities in the sector for Māori. Te hunga koriru i te tūaorangi haramai haere. Tātou kei te hāhātanga o te whenua tihewa Mauriora and welcome back to the hui. A botched investigation and finally an apology. A Waitara woman has fought for six years to expose flaws in former senior comps findings after a car crash killed her aunt. The hui has been with her through her harrowing journey and found she's not alone, connecting her with another whānau who are challenging the same investigator's findings relating to the death of her beloved husband and has endured similar serious errors by the same police officer. Rani Pereira has the third instalment of Kura Weinshek's fight for justice. Blacks descend on Ōtipoti for the final Bledisloe test, and anticipation is in the air. But arriving here is a test of a different kind for Kura Weinshank and her sister Chrissy. Hi. Hi. The hui first met Kura and her whanau in 2018. A year after, the camper van she was driving around Southland was hit by an oncoming car, killing her aunt, Cherie Bidwa, instantly. It landed on the other side of the road facing that way, on the right-hand side. I just remember waking up, smelling fumes. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. Do you blame yourself, Kura? I know I didn't cause it. You know, I was driving, and Auntie died. We've brought her down to Te Wai Pōnamu. It's the first time Kura's been back since the crash. It can't be easy for you to be back here in the South Island, though. Hard, very hard. Very hard to come back in. It's been, um, yeah, mammoth just to get on a plane, I tell Charged with careless driving, causing death, Kura's defence case would eventually expose serious errors in the police crash investigation. It left a judge with no alternative but to throw out the case against Kura. I see that the charges are dismissed rather than withdrawn because the evidence is not sufficient in this case. It's been an emotionally fraught six years since. Six years? Mm -hmm. You're back here, how does it feel? Um, still processing, yeah, a bit numb, I think, as a bit, um, there's a lot of emotions. In June this year, a hui was the first step towards healing. 
Police representatives came face to face with Kura and her whānau back home in Waitara. Big day. Big day. Nothing. Waiting a long time for this. It's moving forward, and I appreciate you's journey to come and have this corridor with us. Mm. This ordeal almost destroyed Kura, but her sisters and aunties have been there for her through it all. It's been a hell of a duty, and I'm just pleased that we finally come to the table with somebody who's a good acknowledger. I don't feel there's been justice yet for my auntie. That's something I carry. They say I'm not at fault, it was the other person who caused the accident, but no one can be charged. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Just last year, the coroner found the driver of the other vehicle responsible for Cherie Bidwa's death. A driver who can never be charged. That man will never be accountable. Well, it still doesn't sit right, eh? The driver found at fault by the coroner got away scot-free because the charge of careless driving causing death has a six-month statute of limitation meaning police have only six months to lay charges from the date of the accident. By the time Kura's charge was dropped, the time period had expired, which meant the man that caused the crash escaped prosecution. The six-month limitation on this charge is too short. I don't think we're ever going to get justice for this, eh? So I can only look at it that hopefully it'll change and never happen to another person again. But it has happened. Kura's case isn't the only one this crash investigator has been involved in where his findings are being challenged. In 2013, Toby Waitokia was killed in a truck crash. Ten years on, his widow Dale struggles with her loss. Oh, it still hurts every day. He was, you know, the love of my life, and it's not a day goes by I don't think about him because he's everywhere, you know? He's everywhere. The same crash investigator who got it wrong in Kura's case provided the original report in relation to the truck crash. Dale feels there are still several aspects of his findings that are concerning. He was wrong. And now finding out about Kura's case as well, I think, you know, what the hell are they doing? You know, families deserve the truth. Why do we got to go through all of this for year after year after year to get to a truth? Why? Why can't it be done right in the beginning? Why can't they say, I'm wrong? Oh, well, maybe I have made a mistake. Crash investigator Alastair Crosland says he was finally exonerated in this case, but in 2021, police apologised to Dale for the deficiencies in his initial crash investigation, which blamed driver error. How many other people in New Zealand have been given those crash reports and they've known in their heart that their husband, wife, whoever, is not responsible, but they've been blamed? The injustice they have both endured has compelled Kura Weinshank to make the painful trip back to Southland to meet Dale in Tapanui. Hey, I'm Kura. I'm Dale. I know who you are, Dale. I know who you are, Dale. <laughs> I'm so sorry for everything you're going through. Me too. 
they bond immediately over the tragedies they have in common. When you know something's not right, it's worth fighting for. People say to me, let it go. Why don't yeah. you let it go? Can't. All we want is the truth. The crash investigator left the force in 2020, but the Hui can now reveal that he has been contracted by police three times since then. How did you feel when you found out that he may no longer be with the police, but he's still reviewing other crash investigations? I couldn't believe it. I, I cannot believe it. Uh, that was a shock moment for me. I just don't understand why that is allowed. Alyssa Croslin needs to be made aware just what this has done, not just for me, but the many other cases he's done. We've been trying to contact Alistair Croslin since 2018 and finally spoke to the retired crash investigator over the phone. He says he stands by his verdict that coulda caused the accident. Croslin says the third review into the crash agreed with his findings and has never been contested. He says he's unaware of any dispute around his investigation. This is despite the charges against Kura being withdrawn by police. Coming up after the break. This all happened under your watch. The cop in charge fronts up. The man who caused the crash That's can right. never be charged. That's right. Is that justice? The last time the Hui met Kura Weinschenk was in court when police withdrew serious driving charges against her in 2018. After many delays, an inquest into her aunt's death last year also cleared Kura of causing the crash. And finally, police accept our invitation to explain how this tragic case went so badly wrong. The crash investigator who blamed her for the fatal accident stands by his findings that Kura was at fault. Here's Rorani Pereira with the second part of her story. In 2018, Kura Weinschenk was charged for the accident that killed her aunt. But the crash investigator's report was seriously flawed. And this is not the only one to have been found with errors. District Commander for the Southern Region, Paul Basham, was his boss. It's all right, I didn't wreck your mic, that's no, the main no. thing. <laughs> it's only water. 
He was the cop in charge throughout that time. This all happened under your watch. What would you have to say about that? There was some t action taken internally in regards to some of those matters that you've raised. I can't talk about that mm. on camera because I'm bound by the privacy aspects of that. But clearly we understand the concerns, but I'm here to apologise and express our regret where we got it wrong and provide a degree of reassurance that we're aware of these shortcomings, we were aware of some issues that were of concern, we did take action. Do you have confidence in Constable Crosland? You worked with him for over a number of years. I'm told he is highly qualified and very experienced and that his peers have confidence in him. Um, so I think you have to acknowledge he's highly qualified but even qualified people make mistakes. I know Mr Crosland doesn't work for police anymore, and so we don't have a relationship with him. He was still contracted out for at least three more jobs after his retirement. So that shows that you have some level of faith still. Uh, he wasn't contracted out from my district. How would you rate his handling of Cherie Bidwa's investigation? Well, clearly his report was found to have been wrong. There are two other experts that have found that his report was wrong and ultimately the coroner has taken that view as well. What were the greatest mistakes that were made in that case? Timeliness. I think when the defence raised a concern, police took that seriously, we got another report. Obviously, we then had two other reports that were at odds with the original report and we took the appropriate action at that point, which just to withdraw the charges. I think timeliness may have provided a better outcome. But unfortunately for the whānau, with the six-month statute of limitations, the man who caused the crash That's can right. never be charged. That's right. Is that justice? Well, no, clearly it's not, and that's one of the things uh, that we're here to acknowledge today and, and apologise for. It's not for me to talk about whether the law's appropriate. That's for the legislature and politicians and judges we work with in the law. Six months is quite a tight time frame. Police told the Hui they looked into trying to reopen Kura Weinshink's case to see if they could charge the driver of the vehicle responsible for the fatal crash. The legislation I'm advised doesn't allow for that. Have you looked into yes, it? Yes, taken advice on that. Yeah, that's what I'm told. He says significant changes have been made as a result of Kura's case. We've taken uh, a lot of steps to eliminate this kind of human error, the mistakes that can occur by investing in more resource. We introduced a fourth investigator to spread the load. We have introduced a sergeant into that work group so that we can look to reduce and eliminate the mistakes or the errors that can occur, putting in more checks and balances so that we can make every effort to prevent this from ever happening again. Do you think you actually know the harm, the level of trauma this has actually caused this family? I get a sense of it absolutely in terms of understanding the impact of this and the significance of it. I'm willing to meet with the family and would like to take the opportunity to do that if, if that's appropriate. I think today is an opportunity for me as the district commander to provide further reinforcement of the deep regret that sits with police and you know, Napariya Mana to the Fano and to the people um, that have been affected by this prosecution and the lack of the right outcome. So uh, unequivocally express our regret and apologise to Kura 
obviously Cherie and the whanau for what has occurred. Let's go to her legal aid bill. Over $40,000, tens of thousands of dollars she's left in debt. Mm -hmm. Can you make that go away? We're willing to sit down with the whanau and talk about how we might be able to come to some sort of resolution around that. I'm here today to acknowledge and express profound regret about what took place in the context of this prosecution and the part that the police played in that. So whatever we can do to reduce the profound sense of hurt and loss of trust in the police, I'm prepared to sit down and talk about that for sure. We want to be better. We want to provide a high degree of reassurance that we will be better. District Commander Basham is yet to meet Kura. My whānau want me to get the closure um, I need to move forward. I wish I could. I really do. I want to. And I don't want to be consuming, it consume me. But I just am not satisfied yet. Because my coroner's increased. It took two and a half years to, to go into it. She's making a submission to the Independent Police Complaints Authority about the crash investigators' handling of her case. It nearly killed me then. I can like, imagine the stress. And now she has Dale alongside her. My heart goes out to her. I feel we connected. It means everything to know we're going to help her with her fight and she probably will be there for our fight and that we can follow this journey together, you know, no matter where we live. This final chapter, it's bittersweet, that's all. So I can only look at it that hopefully it'll change and never happen to another person again. It'll change that. This can not happen to anybody again. After the break, New Zealand Film Commission CEO Taima Annie Murray joins us live in studio. She is the first Māori CEO of the Tumufakata Tango, the New Zealand Film Commission, and has only been in the job for almost two months. So what are the key challenges and how do we grow further capability and capacity in the film sector to tell our stories to the world? Taima Ani Murray Huri no Tarawa no Tuhorangi joins me now. Thank you for coming on the programme. Really appreciate it. How would you describe the current state of the New Zealand film industry, of the New Zealand film sector now? We're in good shape. So audiences are coming back after COVID. 
still about 20% down on 2019 numbers, but coming back nevertheless. Um, we've seen Moodoo win the best, um, the top film of 2022, top New Zealand film. Um, we are seeing an increasing number of applications coming in, really strong New Zealand stories. So I think we're in pretty good shape. What about internationally? How appealing are we still as a place for international companies to come and make films? We are incredibly appealing. Of course, there's the challenge of the strikes going on in Hollywood at the moment. So that has put a pause on production worldwide. Um, so it's not just us. Um, and just to put that in context, the last time there was a strike of that magnitude was 1960. Mm. So it is a really extraordinary time. So. Uh, it has gone quiet in terms of the international pipeline, but since the, um, the review of screen sector funding was finally settled last week, uh, sorry, the week before, the phones have been ringing again. So we now have certainty, we have an improved rebate, and we're a really attractive place for um, companies to come and make their films. How concerned are you about how long the, the, the strike could take and the, and the downstream effects of that of trying to get international companies made. Yeah, it's really hard to know when that's going to resolve with these two really deeply entrenched sides as there always is in any industrial action so we can't predict how long it will take to resolve but what I can assure you of is that we have solid interest from international companies who are really keen to make their films here and they are keen to get in and make their advance bookings and get in ahead of the rush mm. for when the strike does resolve. We had heard reports that there was some concern about a quote-unquote contracting New Zealand film sector, particularly given competition from places like Australia, certainly geopolitically here. What do you make of that? Is that a threat and can that be assuaged, eliminated? Can we work on that, do you think? There's a couple of things there. Um, in terms of the rebate, the international players can get better deals elsewhere, we know that, but what they can't get elsewhere is our incredible crew, who are, you know, there's many Academy Award winners in our crew. Um, they're very talented, passionate people. They can't get our stunning scenery. And we have um, really great studios that are really close together. So th that's a package that's really hard to replicate mm. in other places. The other thing is that we are very focused on the local side in terms of getting our stories up and out. So we will see um, a number of New Zealand films releasing quite soon. Uh, some big big films like The Convert, which is Lee Tamahori and Robin Skoll's latest project, premiering at the Toronto Film Festival. Also Uproar, which is um, a story based on the 1981 Springbok yeah, tour, yeah. Um, starring Julian Dennison, James Rolleston, Minnie Driver, Reese Darby. So there's some awesome projects coming through and there's more going into production quite soon. So we're very focused on our local pipeline and empowering those stories, getting them moving. There was also some concern about skill shortages here in New Zealand. What's your response to that? That is a really important area to focus on. Okay. So there's been a very big move in the last couple of years to um, focus on what's called workforce development, which is essentially looking at making sustainable careers in the screen sector. So there's an organisation called Toy Mai, which has been set up. I was on the, the um, first board of Toy Mai. 
um, to really look hard at how we are training our people to come into the screen workforce, um, to look at what um, whānau are telling us, which is that our, our rangatahi want to earn while they learn. They don't necessarily want to go away for three or four years, leave home, get a big student loan and come out with a tohu that may or may not be relevant to yep. the industry. So there's a lot of work going on. So is that things like micro-credentialing? Micro-credentials, yeah. it's a really, um, that's a buzzword at the moment. Basically what that means is short, sharp, stackable qualifications. So that in, you know, a three or four day burst you can learn a particular skill, get a qual, get a tohu for that and then you stack those up into a, a certificate or a diploma but you're working and, and learning while you're on the job mm. okay. and getting paid. And that's across the board right, so that's, that's not just right. actors and producers and directors, we're also talking about things like you know wardrobe, makeup, catering, all yep. that kind of thing. All that stuff. So what, what tended to happen in the past was either going to a polytech or a film school and making that big commitment mm or knowing someone. So, you know, who you know became really important. And what that does is it tends to um, mean that people hire in their own image. So we weren't seeing a lot of diversity in our screen sector workforce, and that's been identified by Toimai as something we need to address. As I mentioned in the intro, you are Tarawa. Aye. You are Tu Haurangi. Um, what is one of the key expectations you have on yourself, particularly seeing hearing ourselves and our voices, our identity and culture, represented internationally through film? What's really important to remember is that of the top five New Zealand films of all time, four of those are Māori stories. So I can list them for you. Hunt for the World of People, Boy, uh, Once for Warriors and Whale Rider. So four of the top five. The other one is um, the world's fastest Indian. Um, those are Māori stories. So clearly there's something in our culture that's really, really important, both to New Zealanders and globally. So that's a really, really strong starting point. Um, but what we need to work on now is lifting the scale and ambition of our storytellers. What I see when I look back at the last um, 32 projects that were funded out of the rebate, which is the higher budget um, subsidy that we offer, only two of those went to Māori-owned production companies. So we've got work to do in we've that space. Uh, I, I wish you all the best for the job. I know it's only been two months, and so you probably feel like there's a lot to do. I'm that was Taima, Annie Murray, the CEO of the New Zealand Film Commission. Kia hatia. Ko taupuki ake tātātou hui ki konei te neiwa. Kamatu, ko taupuki ake te putanga tururau o te hui aia nei. You can find all our stories on our social media channels or at newshub.co.nz. And tonight, we take a look back because this is our 300th episode of the Hui Tonight. Thank you all for supporting the program over the years and a special tribute to all of those who helped develop and worked on the hui throughout the last 300 episodes. Kia mau, ki te tūranga, o Many of the soldiers, when they come back, the only people they talk to are the guys they were with. It's too harrowing. What did you say? Is this the first time that you've opened up about what happened to you? Yep, to anyone. 
I'm sure you can ask any Tangata Whenua and go, is there racism in, in New Zealand? Nobody's going to say, oh, no. The same thing, that same hatred that comes from racism goes into Islamophobia. those who didn't get to live to see this day. We walk alongside our ancestors. They are here with us. That's what makes us strong. Are you ready for a big fight? Yep. Yes, we are. Our tūpuna came here 200 years ago. We've been here ever since. We're not going anywhere. defiant of those systems that were built to eradicate us. It is an example of what it means to be wahine toa. How long are you planning to keep writing? <laughs> until my hands fall from the keyboard. Yeah. Nā te puna whakatonga rewa, te hui i tautoko.